The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. In 1900, the average life expectancy of a U.S. individual was 47 years. That would actually mean that right now, my life is like ready to sunset here any day. Like I'm finishing up, I'm done. Some of you guys are beyond 47, which basically just means that you're, you're, you're past where you should have lived and uh, you probably need to be writing up a eulogy or figuring out whatever it is you want on your tombstone. Okay, I'm just joking. But today, okay, 1900, it was 47. Today, the average life expectancy for an individual in the United States is 78.6. That's over 31 more years than it was back in 1900. So then I can look at my life and go, oh, I've got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time or some time or a bit of time. At the end of the day here though, the question is, why does that matter so much? Because time is limited and time is ticking. Time is always moving forward, which means it should change how you and I spend our days. How many people do you know, or maybe you've even said, you know what, you, 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 somebody's passed away and you've thought to yourself, or you've said, man, if I just had one more day, if I could just have one more hour, if I could have just had one more conversation with that person, I would give my left arm, or I would give a million dollars to have one more day with that person. Or you hear people talk about their lives as they look back and they wish they had done so many things differently. And they have all kinds of regrets. They think, I would have worried so much less. I would have enjoyed life so much more. I would have taken more risks. I would have lived life with so much more purpose, been more generous toward other people. You hear stories like that all the time. In fact, you think about time, and there's a million quotes you could find about time, but a couple of them that I like a lot is this. Quaker William Penn said this, time is what we want most, but we use worst. Think about that. Time is what we want most, but we use worst. And then Pastor Francis Chan, and I really love this quote. Our greatest fear should not be fear of failure but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. That's the kind of thing that rings in my ears. Am I doing in my life what really matters? In part three of this series we're in called Unfriended, we're gonna take a look at at time and what we need to unfriend and uh, what's related to time that we need to unfriend so that you and I can succeed at life. And of course, Jesus has plenty to say about time, but I wanna take a look at Luke chapter 12 for a little bit today, starting in verse 35. Be dressed, Jesus says, and ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and will wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this, verse 39, if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, 
He would not have left his house. Uh, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. Verse 41, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master's taking a long time in coming. He then begins to beat the other servants, the men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he's not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. The one who doesn't know and does these things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. For everyone who has will be given much. Sorry, for everyone who has been given much, much will be, will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Father, today, help us understand this text in Scripture in light of the time that we have. In your name, we pray, Jesus. Amen. So here we are, and, and in, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus starts in by saying this, be dressed and ready for service, keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. If you were to put all three of these little mini stories together from verse 35 all the way through 48, you would see that Jesus is trying to make a point about you and I being ready, living discerning lives, making the most of our time as Paul, as we started this series, Ephesians 5 said, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Jesus is saying there's something about our need to use our time wisely because at some point, we're going to be called into action. In one context, it's at the end of days that when Jesus returns and that trumpet sounds, as Paul says, will you and I be ready to enter eternity because we have a relationship with God the Father through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross? That's one context. The other context, though, is as you and I spend whatever days we have left on this planet are we daily seeing through the lens of stewardship of our time to make the most of every opportunity, as Paul says? I love how the picture here, it says, or, or verse 36 says, um, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door. That The picture I get is the idea of, of like a high school party, and all of a sudden, the parents show up, and the kids are trying to hide whatever was going on because they're not ready for the parent to open the door and welcome them in. Or I think of the kid who was asked to do a chore, and the parents get home, and the chore wasn't done yet, but as soon as they hear the garage door open, uh-oh, better scramble and get that chore done. Or the idea of, of you know, you, you got to be somewhere, but you're super tired, so you're going to catch a quick nap and 20 minutes turns into an hour, and you wake up scrambling because you're not ready for where you were supposed to be. I think of that in the way, uh, like this spiritually, if Christ showed up today, 
would you have some serious repenting to do? If Christ showed up and you knew in that moment, that's Jesus and he's the savior and he's ready for you, would you be like, oh, hey, it's you? Would you be like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry what I did yesterday. I'm so sorry for how I was just treating so-and-so. I'm so sorry for the habit. I'm so sorry for the way I've been acting. I'm so sorry for the path I've been on. Would you feel like you have some explaining to do? If Jesus knocked on the door, are you ready to open the door and welcome him? Or do you feel the need to clean things up before he's allowed in? That simple question should help us understand, are we using the time we have in a way that honors our Savior? As the story continues, Jesus talks about, he says, truly I tell you, for those that are ready, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come in and wait on them. And it's just a simple verse, but it's a reminder of the humility of our Savior that, that is, is, is ready to serve us at any moment. And the example that he gives for us to serve and love others at any moment. Continuing on in verse 38, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. And he talks about breaking in and you would never let somebody break in. And then verse 40, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. It's not just that, that at some point there's going to come a moment where you're called to action, where the trumpet's gonna sound, where, where you're asked to, to make an account for who you are. He's saying you're not going to necessarily know when that's gonna happen. There are people in the history of the world that have said Jesus is coming back on this day and this year because these are the signs. And for any discerning believer in Christ that has, re has read scripture, they would know we're not going to know the day or the hour. It's going to be a surprise. Jesus emphasizes this very point. But along with this point, he's saying that's all the more reason why you and I every day have to live discerning, prepared, that if either the trumpet's gonna blast and we're headed to heaven if we're prepared, or that he's gonna say, hey, I want you to go and pray for that person, share the gospel with that individual, shine the light of Christ into that situation, stand for what you believe in, are you ready to do that? Or is the type of faith you've embraced, the type of faith that says, I prayed a prayer to invite Jesus in, everything's fine, but then you go on your way doing whatever you want to do. Verse 41, Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this to everyone or just to us? And I love how Jesus doesn't specifically address that answer. Peter, this is for you. This is for that guy. This is for them over there. Kind of not for them. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge the question, although the simple answer is it's for everyone. For those that haven't repented and invited him in, do that. But it's also for those that have invited him in to understand the value of the stewardship of their time. So look at verse 42. The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But 
Suppose the servant says to himself, my master's taking a long time coming. And then he begins to beat the other servants, the men and women, to eat and to drink and to get drunk. And now this is where for you and I, we can write this off. Well, well, I'm not abusing other people. I'm not a glutton. I don't drink too much. That's not my problem. If we simply understand that as the strict interpretation, we miss the point. Jesus is literally saying, if you feel like you have so much time in this world that you can do whatever you want to do, and that when you know that time is winding down and Jesus is going to show up in front of your face, you better get ready, that's a foolish way to think. It's not specifically about mistreating people or, or being a glutton or being a drunkard while those things are not good things. He's saying, don't think you have all this time to do whatever you want to do because every second matters. Let me repeat what Paul said in Ephesians 5, verse 16. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Time is winding down. You have an opportunity to make a difference. You have an opportunity to live generously, an opportunity to shine the light, an opportunity to put others before yourself, an opportunity to help people take steps in their faith, an opportunity for people to see Jesus through you. But if all you're doing is living however you want, assuming you've got plenty of time, Jesus says, don't dare make that mistake. The master, verse 46, of that servant will come, he repeats it, will come on a day when he doesn't expect, at an hour that he's not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Let, let, me, let me take this in order, just, just briefly here. First of all, he reminds us, you're not going to expect it. If you and I have a conversation and we go, hey, tell you what, why don't we plan on having dinner next Tuesday at seven at my house? What do we do? Okay, you, you put it in your calendar. At some point leading up to next Tuesday, you might text me and go, hey man, what do you want me to bring? Well, make sure you bring your wife, bring your kids, you know, bring some Doritos and, and, and whatever else, bring that. And what am I gonna do? I'm gonna get my house ready. What does that look like? Well, we're gonna clean. We're gonna vacuum. There's gonna be lines in our carpet. There shouldn't be dust on anything. The floor might need to be mopped. The toilets are going to be scrubbed. The bathroom's gonna have a fresh towel on it. I'm probably gonna mow the lawn and pull some weeds. Why? Because you're coming over. I wanna be ready for company to be welcomed into my home. If I know something is coming, I prepare for it. Jesus absolutely is coming back. Are we prepared for it? But in another context, Jesus meets with you every single day and has directives and assignments and purposes for you every single day. Are you prepared for it? This has everything to do with the stewardship of our time. He says that, that, that he'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The challenge of it is, you and I aren't going to know, but he says the problem that presents itself here is that if you and I, while we're not ready, the master shows up, we're about to get a giant unwelcome surprise. 
And in light of eternity, the surprise is this. If you think you're good to go because you simply pray to prayer, but you don't really believe as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, there's a serious question about whether you really believe or not. And the surprise would be there's an eternity waiting for you that is not an entrance into heaven. And that's the surprise I don't want anybody to have to experience. What you do with your life matters because you're a steward of it. And on one hand, if indeed it's in light of eternity, it's inviting Jesus in to be your savior and the Lord of your life, the one you follow day after day after day. It's a challenge for all of us. And we will be surprised by, I go back to that whole idea of a surprise. See, in my family, we have this ongoing joke about my dad. My dad, for years, will randomly show up at my house. And we're not ready. And there are times where he literally has walked around to the back of our house and knocked on our back door. The thing about our back door, probably similar to yours, is our back door's glass. You can see right through it. So he can see everything going on, whatever we're wearing or not wearing, whatever messes are all around our, our living room or our dining room, you can see right in there. And, and it's, it's a hilarious joke for us, like, oh man, Papa Fritz is here. But here's the deal. He's my dad, so you know what? He gets a free pass. See, the same is true for our Heavenly Father. God gets a free pass. He can show up whenever he wants because he's our Heavenly Father. That's his right. But it goes back to are we prepared? Are we ready? Now, verse 47 and 48, let, let, me, let me read this. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. The one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Let me say it this way. In our core, we know God wants us to be diligent, wants us to be prayerful, wants us to be discerning, wants us to be peaceful and hopeful and, and, and bright lights in our world? Are we being that? See, there are some that, you hear what I'm reading here, and I'll get to the point of, 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 of judgment and eternity, and, 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 or maybe not in, in a second. I'll get to that. But here's one of the things that goes through our minds. This seems unfair. This doesn't seem right. I mean, we meet Jesus and we become disciples and we're asked to be responsible for the lives of other people and, and do a bunch of stuff that I don't even know how to do or I don't necessarily want to do. That seems so unfair. But let me respond to that with a couple of things. What if we realize what God is asking is for you and I to join an amazing journey? What if I was to tell you that, that God has an adventure for you that will deeply fulfill in your core what you really, really need? And it means taking risks. And it means laying down your agenda. And it means being generous. And it means serving others. There is nothing more exhilarating in my life 
than seeing somebody share their story right before they get baptized because they're taking a step. There's nothing more fun than in my life group having somebody share where the light comes on about a scripture they were reading or, or they're convicted of something and they're bringing it to the group that we can pray and encourage them. There is nothing more fun than seeing the lights come on in people's lives. It's an adventure. It's amazing, but it's also difficult and requires sacrifice. The ask from our Savior for us to lay down what we want for the sake of helping others see Christ through us. So that's part of my response. When people say, that seems unfair. But the other part is this. It's just practical. See, my wife and I, we have four kids. 17, 15, 12, and 9. And, and as long as we've had kids, it's always been this way. The older kids always do more serving than the younger kids. In fact, the older kids always serve the younger kids more than the younger kids will ever serve the older kids. And, and while that's not fair, you know what it is? It is just. It is the right thing. And I would say that to you and to me, that when you and I come to faith in Christ and we still have years to live, we have a responsibility to help others see Christ, to pray for other people, to grow in our ability to have empathy and compassion and live with hope and, and be discipled in our faith in a way that our maturity is growing. Because Jesus didn't just say, go make disciples. I believe he was reminding us to make disciples because real disciples help disciples make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. It's been happening for 2,000 years and shouldn't stop with you or me. We make disciples that are called to make disciples. And if that was confusing, you're welcome. So let me get to the judgment side briefly of this conversation, and then I want to begin to wrap this up. If indeed Jesus is talking about eternity, what he's talking about is bad news, as I mentioned a little bit ago. That we may realize what we're supposed to do and go, I don't want to do that. And it's that reminder in reverence, in the fear of God in the right ways, that man, if we're saying he's our Savior and our Lord, then he's the one we're following. The other part of the equation is if indeed somehow he's not talking about eternity, which is debatable here, what he's saying is this, if you're not going to follow me and do what I'm asking you to do, you're going to reap the consequences of, of the decisions you're making. And those natural consequences are going to be painful consequences because you're no longer in the place that God wants you to be. It really is that simple. And so as we begin to wind down, my hope would be that we all feel the conviction of a message like this. And what it means in a series that we're calling Unfriended is aside from the friendship conversation, the subtitle of this message or this series Unfriended is this, taking control of the connections in your life. And it's time for you and I to take control of certain connections. And when we say unfriended, I would put it this way in this message. It's time for you and I to unfriend certain habits. And when we connect this conversation, especially to a world that's digital 
and we talk about social media, it's the need for you and I to unfriend the constant mindless scrolling when we know we could be spending our time better. That we begin to repent of, of, of the constant binging of shows when we know the TV and us sitting there doing nothing is not helping us become who we're called to be. That the gaming that goes on till midnight and 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. and 6 a.m., the sun's coming up and you're like, oh my word, I haven't even slept yet. That we know deep down, I really ought to be spending my time differently than this. That for you and I, it's time to unfriend certain habits that aren't helping us become who we're supposed to be. Because that's making the most of every opportunity. I'm not saying there ought, there ought not be time for rest. Ought not be time to enjoy certain moments. Playing a certain game or watching a certain show. I'm not saying that. But honestly, you and I know there's a fine line between rest and laziness. And oftentimes, I really believe through the work of the Spirit in us, there is a difference that we know. This is far too much. And I really ought to be doing something much more productive than this. It's time to unfriend certain habits, but it's also time to friend other habits. Let me, let me just give you a couple of pointers. Some of us that find ourselves wasting a lot of time, maybe it's time at the end of a day to start looking back on the day we just had and considering how was my time well spent and where was my time wasted and dealing with the wasted time by rethinking the next day which is the next point, as we look at, look at that evening, we look at the next day and go, what's on my calendar that should be? What are those things I think I'm gonna do that I ought to do, and what are those things I shouldn't do? If what's on your calendar for tomorrow is binge watch an entire season of something, maybe not the best way to spend your day. If you know you're gonna end up spending hours scrolling through social media, probably not the best way to spend your day. There are other ways to spend our days and some of us need to learn to make task lists and some of us need to learn to schedule certain things. But let me ask you this, where does Jesus fit? Where does scripture fit? Where does the need for repentance, confession, worship, serving, generosity fit in this equation? Francis Chan our greatest fear should not be fear of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Paul said, be very careful making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Lord, help us spend our time wisely in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.